Good evening, everyone. What's the highlight of the week? Thank you for joining us to get, uh, again tonight. This is MIT Podcast. MIT stands for Mindset into Transformation. I'm Benjamin Huang, your host tonight. Here we have conversation with people who have done extraordinary things in their life. We discuss their story of success and the mindset drive them into achieving the impossible. Today, we have a very special guest joining us today, Christopher uh, Leverack. Is that right? Leverick. Leverick, the managing partners of Valkyrie Investment Group. Valkyrie Investment Group. Thank you very much. Yes. Christopher is an active real estate investor and running a successful business acquiring many real estate assets. He's also a syndicator. So let's dive into the details and listen to what Christopher has learned from his journey and what he have to share with us. Christopher, thank you for coming to our show. How's your day today? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's really busy. You've been filming all day. As you can see, I got a green screen behind me. <laughs> so Very nice. Very nice. Well, um, I appreciate your time coming to our show to uh, discuss about what you have learned from your real estate journey. Uh, before we get started, do you want to give a quick uh, introduction of yourself, the background, and uh, what you were doing prior to your real estate journey yes yes definitely thanks for having me benjamin um so let's see we started uh me and my brother ashton started a business in 2018 where we got into real estate prior to that we myself i'll go into my history i guess so i went to europe i studied about two years in the south of france i learned french there it was a business school I uh, came back. I went joined the Air Force. I was in the Air Force for four years as a firefighter and uh, EMT um, technician as well. So uh, cool. after that, I got an IT degree. I did a 12-year career in corporate IT, fixing networks and servers and all sorts of stuff. And then um, in early 2018, while having a W-2 career, still in IT, uh, I started this business with my brother where we started partnering with others to buy real estate. Very simple. Um, we Our first deal we did was two duplexes, and uh, we found a private lender who financed about 70% of it. Um, so every deal we've done, we've done with a partner. We have scaled pretty quickly, some would say in four years. Um, we've done a lot of multifamily, so a small multifamily, and then scaled into large multifamily syndications. And we have done um, five vacation rentals at this point, very similar method, but uh, luxury vacation rentals. And that's what, kind of where we're at. We're at a, the business about nine people now, and um, you know we're upwards of around 70 million assets under management. So it's been fun. Wow. Impressive. In four years, you guys are able to build this portfolio. Yeah, that's been cool. <laughs> Better ride. Yeah, yeah. And um, you also have an interesting background. You were in military, and you also were in IT, right? Why real yeah. estate? Why real estate? Yeah. Um, like what? What? What was the change, or what was the thing had like occurring in your life that decided, hey, I, I want to drop everything and go to real estate. Yeah, so I didn't really drop everything until this year. Actually, I quit my W two job in March, um, but I, you know, I was working all the time from 2018 to to now on real estate. But the main thing in 2018, um, you know, the government or I should say the Fed 
uh, kind of started doing what they're doing now, where they raise the interest rates uh, or the Federal Reserve rate. And that causes the economy usually to buckle a bit, which causes your 401k to feel the stocks going down. And that happened to me. I saw my 401k dip a little. Um, and as a corporate you know, W-2 IT earner, that didn't feel very nice. <laughs> so I was kind of like, uh, well, you know, what, what could I do that um, could set up a nest egg for me later on in life? And I'm not just dependent on a 401k. It's nice to have, but what else can I do? And real estate seemed to be the answer to everybody who's wealthy seems to have real estate for some reason. So let's look into why that is. And um, that's what, why, you know, I chose real estate at the end. Yeah. Very cool. When you uh, notice real estate is the way to go, what was the exact thing that triggered you? Was there a book, like a lot of people talk about, like Rich Dad, Poor, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Was there mm-hmm. a book, a video, or even a YouTube video that you watched that, um, you know, give you the idea, okay, this is what I'm going to do? Um, yeah, it was a lot of bigger pockets back then. I had a 45 minute commute to work. So I would listen to a lot of podcasts and uh, probably, yeah, Brandon Turner. And I think some of his books, the book on rent real estate or rental properties, um, was one I really liked because it's kind of like a A to Z. I actually really didn't like rich dad, poor dad, which is kind of contrary to most people. I I think I read it later on. It wasn't the first book I read. So when I read it, it was a little too basic, for me at that point. It was a couple of years after I had started. Um, but I do I do understand why that could be pivotal. But yeah, for me, it was really just hearing all these stories of other people doing it and um, realizing it wasn't impossible. Wow. Cool, cool, cool. Um, when you get into real estate, what was the first challenge that you have encountered? Like, what was the first setback? Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many, right? Um, yeah, that's why I asked the first, right? <laughs> uh, let's see. The first, probably the first significant one was, um, you know, underestimating renovation costs as a big one. Okay. Um, you know, we bought some duplexes that were in the 1940s. They were built in the 1940s. And, you know, just thinking we could put in, you know, 20000 in renovation each duplex uh, was very you know, naive, uh, ended up being closer to 45,000 each duplex. So wow. double. Um, yeah, but you learn <laughs> double. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So how did you guys get, get out of it? Was, was the numbers still okay? Did you guys leave enough, um, wiggle room to allow those costs? Yeah, I mean, we were trying to do the Burr method, which was it's it's basically when you flip a house. And um, so you really want a property that is kind of run down. So they fit the model. Um, and we were buying in Durham, North Carolina. The market was in a, you know, in growth state uh, in Durham, Raleigh, North Carolina has been booming since since a while now for population growth and um, rent growth and uh, unemployment being down and that kind of thing. So. It, it worked out. Um, it could have not worked out for sure, but you know, inevitably we bought them at two hundred nine thousand for both duplexes, so one hundred four each side, uh, each duplex. Um, so that was a quad we bought. And when they appraised at the end of everything, when they appraised for four eighty together, so two forty each side. And yes, of course, that's not all profit. That's we nice. spent a bunch of renovations. We spent money in holding costs, interest, all that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, we have, we refinanced out all our capital, so it turned out to be a win. It just wasn't 
the size of a flip that we knew how to do. So it was a bit of a struggle. I see, I see. Well, the first one is usually more difficult, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, for sure. A lot. Well, and, and, and besides, for people who just jump in, into a real estate, it's really difficult to get an accurate rehab cost estimate. Oh, yeah. So, um, since then, uh, you're, you're, you're just saying that you're, um, you know, focused more on, you know, details and, you know, creating the system, right? Uh, what, what have you done since, or like, is there any action that you have taken to avoid such mistake being repeated? Sure. Yeah. One of the, the best things a new investor can do is create a checklist, uh, or find an existing checklist for something they want to do. And whether you buy it or you join a mentorship and they give you the, the guide, um, that's probably the easiest thing. So let's say you got, you know, a couple different stages. You want to buy a property. So that's your acquisition stage. You want to do the lending, the financing. So then maybe that's stage two. Uh, closing the property is, you know, there's all sorts of paperwork to sign. Maybe that's stage three. And stage four would be renovations, and maybe stage five is just managing it. In each of those stages, start making your little checklist, and that's what we did. We have a, um, I don't know how many, how many items it has now, but um, where you know you're that way. The next time you do the deal, you just go back to the checklist and you say, "Oh, I, I don't forget to do this next time." Um, or if it's your first time and you got the checklist for somebody else, you're, you're on a leg up. So we use Monday.com. It's a project management tool. Uh, it's expensive, so I wouldn't suggest for a new investor. But it's a lot of fun because you can, you know, it's kind of drag and drop. And, you know, Trello is another one where you can do free versions and that kind of stuff. But having some kind of checklist that you can add to and, um, you know, change up and, and make your life easier the next time around is key. So that's what we did. Right, right. So putting together a system that basically remind you whenever you're doing the same thing to avoid the same mistake. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so um, you're, you're talking about the quick expansions on your um, portfolio, right? How, how did it happen? And you're also saying that you've been partnering up with other people. Well, who are the people you're partnering with and why are they partnering up with you? Sure. Um, so the beginning, we partnered with private lenders. Uh, so we would offer like 9% interest, prom- so and they would get a promissory note and a deed of trust uh, to the property. This would allow us to buy all- with all cash, which made it very competitive. In the beginning, we were buying from wholesalers, so that was very um, something you need to do, buy with cash a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of private lenders. Then we worked with private investors. Some of the private lenders became private investors. So rather than them get uh, an interest interest rate or just cash, they would get equity. They would get ownership in the deal. Um, and that was setting us up for syndication. Um, you know, we did our first syndication. It was a 16-unit small syndication. And, um, yeah, th- those people got ownership and they would get uh, a PPM to sign or documents to sign that would say, hey, I'm part owner of this property. Here's the game plan. When it sells, I'll get this much. When it's rented, I'll get this cash flow. So a lot of private investors, we decided to focus on raising capital. A lot of our company shifted in after that 16 unit to not only doing everything, uh, but avoiding to do everything and focusing more on raising capital and joining other partners. So the partners we started joining with now 
we're focusing on asset management or operations of the property itself or acquisitions, whereas we were just focusing on the capital raise side of the equation. And that really allows you to grow and and become an expert in your own realm. You don't have to do everything uh, on the bigger deals, and nor is it even possible uh, unless you have a fully, you know, 50-person team. Like we have a 384 unit uh, that we were on and are still on right now. But to say that we could do that as a nine-person team is impossible. So um, that's where we started partnering with others in different categories to take down a bigger property. Um, and then we still partner with private investors, you know, because there's a lot of people who do want to invest in real estate, but don't necessarily want to start a business or do all the uh, aspects that we're doing. So, yeah, all that work, right? I mean, doing the numbers yeah. and checking out deals and, you know, going in and work with the property manager or even fix the, the toilet, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> cool. Um, you you talk about two deals. One is the sixteen units. That was your first um, syndication, mm-hmm. right? How is that like? I mean, when you guys just uh, started to look at this sixteen unit, did you guys get a deal first and start raising money, or did you guys uh, basically uh, just uh, have conversation with your investor and start hunting the big the bigger deal? Yeah, it's it's good. There's two ways to do that. Um, like you said, you do it when you have the deal or you do it before you have the deal. Um, before you have the deal, it makes it a little trickier, but it's also nicer because you know what you can do with a property. The tricky part is you don't want to take any capital because now you're sitting on a bunch of capital waiting for a deal and people might be like, where's my return? What's going on? You know, so um, but if you do it with the deal, now you got the timeline. Okay, the deal's going under contract, I've got three months or two months, and then I need to buy this. If I don't get the money, then I don't buy the deal. So both exactly. both scenarios are, <laughs> I guess, yeah, you got to weigh your options. in some way. Yeah, so we did it where we got it under contract and then raised for it. Um, as it wasn't our first deal, we had some investors already generally giving us a good idea what we could raise. Um, you know, and we had to go find new investors and go, you know, talk to different people. But we had some already in our pocket, which gave us a little advantage. But, um, yeah, I think the big part in both scenarios is building your brand earlier um, and talking talking a lot about what you're doing, what you want to do, and build those connections first, even if you're not taking capital from them. You're just building the network. That's going to help out uh, a lot so that when you do have a timeline, you can close faster and you're not making new connections in, in a month and asking them for money. <laughs> so Right, right, right. So nurturing the, the relationship um, earlier before you um, even have a deal is important. Yep. Right. Um, do you want to share with us if there's a system or is there a way that um, you nurture those relationships? Like, say, if someone just, say, just book a call with you and maybe they saw your website or something and just you know, curious, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you know, there's something called a funnel, which um, you might've heard of like funnel hacking. Um, Russell Brunson, I think his name is, it runs the the company. Uh, But a lot of it is around funnels. So our relationship is built on funnels. Your company, how people see your, your website is built on funnels and you want the person coming in to, 
joined at the top funnel, which is the biggest, and then they get narrowed down to what they're actually looking for. And hopefully by then, when you talk to them, you're what they're looking for. Um, So a lot of times people mistake and try to, you know, like do too many things at once and don't really have a, a set destination they want their customer to go to. So a part of it is setting up your brand first and, and knowing your audience. And then when that audience comes to you, like to your website, for example, how we do it, uh, when the audience comes to the website, hopefully we are showing a single thing that we are doing that attracts them to that. And that is really, we're trying to get people to join the investor club because if they join the investor club, they fill out a form that kind of makes it seem like they are actually serious. Am I sophisticated? Am I credited? What am I going to invest? So we're not really looking for um, wasting too much time on the wrong person. We want that person to join the club. That's the ultimate goal. So I would say, yeah, create your funnel, uh, whether it's a LinkedIn profile, your website, whatever you have a platform, have that brand on there and then have a destination for the funnel. Where's it going? You know, ours might be a club. Yours might be a Calendly call, whatever it is. You don't have to put the Calendly call first, though. So you start with uh, here's all my information. Here's who I am. um, Here's the deals I do. And then at the bottom, maybe book a Calendly call. And that's how I'd recommend to do it. Create a funnel. And know where it's going, right? Um, right. A lot of time you'll see people, they, they put, you know, book a call here, look at my re- resume, uh, join my free group, join this. Jo- and then a person comes up and they're like, oh, I don't, there's 20 different buttons. I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so. Cool. V- very nice. So the system that you build basically guide people to do only single one, th- one single thing at a time. So yes. they're not confused and they know exactly where to go if they're interested further, right? Correct, yeah. And you can do that all in everything, in all your systems, right? You know, you know whether you're sending an email or yeah. members, right? Can you give us ideas, the ratios um, of that? Yeah, sure. So, and that's a great topic too. track things, right? (laughs) If you can't uh, track who's coming to your website or who's clicking your button to, I don't know, get your free ebook uh, or free content, Mm -hmm. um, typically you're not going to know what to change or modify. So we we track a lot of this stuff. Um, An easy one is Google Analytics. If you hook that to your website, you're going to see how many people are visiting your website and you can use that to adjust your marketing, perhaps. Um, another one we have is so we give away a free ebook. So someone they call that you know um, where you're giving away free content and you're getting someone's email in return. It's very common, uh, but you're building a list, and that list doesn't. That's the very top of that funnel, right? So it's it's not. It might not be all of your target audience. Maybe it's just ten people are in that ten out of a hundred that got that ebook. Um, so what you do is when the when you have that top of the funnel, now you're going to send content or send an email to those 100 people, but you're going to weed out the 90 because you're going to say, hey, if you're interested, um, here's this free content as well. And then the next week after that, maybe you say, hey, I have a club. If you're interested in investing, maybe you would like to join here. And those 10 might go to the club, but the 90 just fall away. So you're just whittling down that funnel. So 
I think a big part of it is at the top of the funnel, you give away free content that joins a list. And then on the list, you are going to give away more free content, more emails, more information. Um, don't spam people too much because they don't like it. But then eventually you're going to, you know, request something to them. Hey, are you interested yeah, in booking sure. a call? For sure. Something Christopher, like that. I really appreciate those um, that's typically how people those, do it. You put a, a list like in there and then the, you have the, some kind of automatic emailing system right? like, that like you are, you know, hopefully pushing out really nice um, content. You don't want to, this invested list. you know, piss um, a bunch of people off. Did you guys off, also start on, um, yeah. uh, you know, reach, reach out to your net, like network, like personal connection, things like that to get started? Or you guys just start building up this machine and go from there? Yeah, we do a lot of internet um, sourcing. So I do, I write a blog a week as well. So there's free content, like I said. Uh, but the advantage of writing content uh, that's out there on the internet or social media, that's how you get a lot of um, unknown people that got, you know, like they're not your friends and family. Um, we did initially reach out to friends and family and, you know, some do some of that Facebook stuff, um, which is tricky. But um, yeah, your closest network that you already have a relationship with is your friends and family. So it's, it benefits you do that. We spend a lot of time on, uh, I guess you could say non-friends and family. So I'm tracking, when I write a blog, I'm, I'm using certain keywords to get traffic to our website. And then I'm tracking how many people in my blog, maybe there's, you know, hey, join our free list to get this ebook or something, you know, so boom, I'm pushing them back into the funnel. So the blog does that. My brother does a lot of TikTok and Instagram and social media uh, where we're again, getting non friends and family. So we probably don't use our local connections as much as we could or, or should. Um, but what we do, and I'd recommend this too, if you are going to focus on friends and family, just talk about what you do. Don't ever ask for capital. Don't go after a deal with your friends and family. Um, and it'll feel a lot nicer to you anyway if you just simply talk about, hey, I'm working on this that's a very good you know, podcast where I talk um, about real estate and that's what I do. Um, if you do that with friends and family, like you'll notice the, it actually is like a right, uh, way that you can get side, right? your subject across, but you're not asking for anything. Right? If someone is interested, they'll come for and match. ask you for Whether information. You're able to align you know, those two things really deter whether you can close a deal and you know be a, like have a successful uh business um let's talk about the deal side mm -hmm. right when you're looking at deals do you guys preset a core core value that uh, you, you companies will invest on or you guys look at you know a certain range of asset and if you guys see a good deal you will present it to the investor or what Right. So a lot of times these days we're playing the act of co-GP. So we are raising capital for other deals that are either under contract or we know the group that are working with it. Um, we have partnered with groups that we didn't necessarily enjoy partnering with. And so it's always a big part of even from the start, there's always been big. Um, but we've messed up along the way is forming the right partnerships. 
Uh, you are going to be partnered for five years, maybe more, especially with this market. You might even see seven to 10 years now in deals. Um, and that's really important. So values, like you mentioned, are very, very important. I kind of tell this, I was on another podcast recently, and I said the same thing. It's before you even should have a deal, you should be networking with other GPs and other deal providers um, and forming the relationship first right. before you discuss the deal. If you're discussing the deal when you're forming the relationship, typically it's going to go bad because you're going to be all talking about the deal specifics and the money and the and how good it's going to be. And nobody's talking about themselves. <laughs> so you, you kind of want to focus on the, that relationship first. And that's what we do. If we find similar values, um, I mean, start, it's a plus. If we find they maybe are a veteran or a military network, it, it's an advantage. We know how military and veterans work. And, and, you know, if we know they're big on family, we're huge on family, we're a family-run business, then maybe there's alignment there. And then we focus on the deals and we're going to vet the deal. We're going to vet the numbers. And if the numbers don't, you know, make sense, then we're not going to do it. So I think it is relationship first and then you look at the deal specifics. Um, and there are cases right. where you will have but a bad partnership and you just got to move like on. That, that um, but the worst thing you can do is is join the wrong partnership too fast, be locked in, and then your network and your brand suffers because you didn't do the due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, luckily we've, we've joined a couple deals and we've seen it wasn't working out, but um, the market has been really good. It allows you to exit <laughs> pretty quick. So we've sold a lot of our deals in two to three years that were expected to be five-year deals. Um, and I wouldn't say they were like terrible or something like that. It was just, you know, wow. little things that you start to notice. Um, you know, we had a property management company that we partnered with that had equity yeah. and, you know, the updates just were not there. Um, you know, so like we just weren't getting property updates and uh, it would take months, months to get updates. And the thing for a syndication group is what do you yeah. tell your investors? You know, if they ask how the property is doing, you don't know. Now you can go visit the property, and that, that's what we do. We got more results doing that and, and actually meeting the crew on site. But um, you obviously don't – that's not very productive to do that all the time. So, yeah, it took a year to get out of that and get a new property management company, and then we sold a year later. But, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to get out of those deals. So you definitely want to, like if – you, if you're valuating a group for a role, um, you know – if let's say you're, they're going to do the acquisition side of it. Uh, let's see what they've closed for the last year. Like what have they acquired in the last year? If it's their first deal and you're not, right, you're not right. comfortable that's with a, that, then don't a, do that. Really um, point, if it's right? a property management company, partner up with a property let's see the, the properties you manage. Let's see the updates you provide every year or every month, every right. week. If, if they, um, they ask for if those details because that's going to be key. You can't, you can't just replace them or I can't fire them. They're your partner. Yeah, right. But that's that's not as pleasant as, right? <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, 
uh, talk about the the, the three hundred and eighty four units uh, syndication yeah. that you guys. Have well, you can, but you know, you can buy them out. Done. <laughs> like, but, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. If, if you if you are willing, just show no. us like what the no, bill is at and like how does it look like, how the syndications goes, and what role you guys are playing. Sure. Yeah. So that was a bigger one. So obviously there are multiple groups on that. It was, I think it was around 42 million acquisition. It was uh, about close to getting up to two years ago. Now um, we'll be selling this year actually. And um, yeah, it did really well because of the market. It was Daytona, Florida. Uh, we did not do the acquisitions. Another group did the acquisitions. We raised capital for the deal. Um, we did a fund of funds, which is a very common method, but so our investors signed our documents and we kept our investor network close to home and we handle all the updates and the distributions. And so it really came from our company. Um, and that, for that reason, we had to be really close with the updates. The updates are great on this. Um, the property management company, Lloyd Jones, they do an awesome job uh, out of Florida um, or on the Florida property. I think they're out of Georgia, but um yeah, it's been it's been really good. We did a lot of raised capital on that on that one. So, uh, you know, we got a portion of the GP for that, but we're close to home on that one because we not only are have our network within where we need to get all the information for our network, um, but we've also you know been down visit the property, seen what they're doing with the renovations constantly, and then we talk with the GP weekly. Um, so. That that's the role we played, though. But it, it's awesome right, right, being right. part of the bigger um, ones where you can benefit you from these big asset management teams like Lloyd Jones, who have over a billion in assets, and mm, not have to worry about so you know some of that inexperience you might involved. find for like someone doing a, tw a twenty unit or something. Yeah. Okay. Right, right, right. About one point five million on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure on the number count. I I mean, we definitely, it's definitely under five, right, right, you know, right. they don't go crazy. Like you, you, and that's a big thing too. You want to keep the number <laughs> count small. I know I've heard, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've heard some people Tumped get upwards of anyway, uh, uh, too many go cheapies. Well, you really want to um, be able to prove that you have some kind of management talk, on the deal. Uh, talk about the mentorship. Right when you just when you guys just get started, <laughs> yeah. um, what what kind it gets of a little hard. mentorship? Would, well, because a lot of our audience they yeah. just get started, right? So, like, would you recommend them getting into certain uh, like mentorship or uh, like master my program to learn before they get started? Um, yeah, I think it's a great option. You know, it's something we didn't do. We were kind of like, you know, exactly. had big egos maybe, and we just decided to do it all ourselves. And uh, you you kind of make a lot of mistakes that way. And uh, you learn, probably you learn the best, I think, if you do it all yourself, because you, the mistakes kind of hurt. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of great mentorships out there. 
that uh, yes, you have to pay a fee, but you you don't make the same mistakes that others have made before you. I think that's very valuable. It can allow you to scale a lot quicker, but also um, you know jump from like you know doing zero to doing a hundred units a lot faster if that's your goal. So you scale a lot quicker, I guess. Uh, I just said, but. Um, the other, the other, there's three ways, right? In the syndication, I, I've said this before, but one, you do it all yourself and you figure it out along the way and you increase deal size Two, you buy a mentorship or mastermind, which I think is awesome. If you can do right. that, you know, just, you know, usually when you pay something, now you have buy-in, which is good. You're not going to give up. Um, and then three, the other way is be a passive investor in a couple syndications and then you can but be an active passive investor. If that makes sense. If you're interested in this, where you ask for how the deal's going, can you sit on a call, uh, that kind of thing, you know. If and and don't be a nuisance, but um, you can learn a lot doing that, you know. If you just ask, hey, can I check out yeah, the uh, yeah. you know the what scope of work, or can I see uh, what you guys are doing with the turns, or can I sit in on a call with the co GP, something like that? I mean, you can learn very well with that, and not only are you making a return, but you're you're learning how syndications work, so. Yeah, we did. We did uh, passive investments. And then, of course, we were working our active investments yeah, at the same nice, time. Nice. It's kind of getting a little well, bit of both worlds. I, I but really by being passive investors um, in other deals, you know, you, um, we not only ended up partnering with those guys that are running the deals, I, I, I uh, we a lot of established the relationship started, that way, right? but we also got a return, right? Three so. ways to get started, right? I mean, to either uh, make the mistake yourself and learn from it hard, or pay for mentorship, learn from it easier, and spend some money, and scale up quicker, right? And mm-hmm. the third one was exactly, yeah. So basically, just get into a deal, but play a role yeah. as limited partner, right? Very cool. Um, two more questions invest passively uh, that, and ask for that we give you know ask to learn along the way go guess come to our show number one is the recommended uh recommended books mm-hmm. or if yep. there's any source of um you know contents or information like the way you guys get your knowledge the way you guys get yourself educated you know before you jump into real estate uh or even you know along the journey of real estate Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it kind of depends. If I'd say if you're interested in learning on syndication, um, Joe Fairless's book is is a great book, uh, best ever real estate syndication book. Um, or if you're interested in raising capital, I think Hunter Thompson's is really good, uh, raising capital for real estate. Both, I think you could take those and and go start a syndication company with um, with a lot. You know, those are almost a mentorship in themselves. Um, if you want to build a credibility or brand, uh, I think my story brand, Donald Miller, is an amazing book. Um, it goes into a lot about funnels, but but mainly about, you know, giving a person understanding who you are, trying to attract, and then really focusing down on that. Um, but, yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Right. I like I like Hunter Thompson's podcast. Um <laughs> 
I like the GoBundance <laughs> podcast. Is, I know is how a good hard one. that can be. If you um, listen to either. Yeah, you kind of balance it out, right? Like, week. If you do a technical one one day, maybe you do a uh, more mindset nice. one. Last question. Next day. Um, um, how can know, people give yourself a break? You? you don't have to always be digesting systems. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sure, yeah. The yeah, easiest way is just hit our website, valkyriegroup.com. Um, you can contact us there. We have a blog. We have free ebooks. We have a lot of information. Uh, I think I've written over 240 blogs now, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a couple books now. <laughs> um yeah. yeah, yeah. People, if you're interested, yeah. About well, actually, we're publishing a uh, vacation rental the, course the, on how to buy your first vacation rental. So ask I just right? wrote that whole script. You, that's why I've got green screen. I've been so, filming uh, about, uh, for the last couple uh, of weeks. Facebook, it's going to be IG cool to come out too. Other social media contents. You guys have any? Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, you type in the word Valkyrie on any social uh, platform, you will find us on TikTok, Instagram, very actively, well, Facebook, thank you very much for LinkedIn. Day, uh, I'm on LinkedIn today. a lot. Um, um, I'm on Bigger Pockets. I, I, I put a lot of posts on Bigger Pockets. Okay. Um, just said there yeah, you put Valkyrie in the internet, you're right. going to find a lot Listen out there. So. <laughs> to those valuable advice and take the action. Nothing will happen without actions, right? All right. Well, we'll wrap up for today. Um, thanks again for coming in, Christopher. I appreciate your time. Love it. Thank you, Benjamin. <laughs>